Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. On today's program, we head down to City Hall for a conversation with a man passionate about municipal government and the City of Kingston. Our guest is Mayor Brian Patterson. I was reading up a little bit on you and I discovered that you came to Kingston in 2000, if I remember correctly. That's right. To finish off your master's and your PhD. Mm -hmm. And then you got hired as a professor at RMC. That's right. And then you ran for council in 2010. Mayor in 2014, just got re-elected, so that's an awfully amazing run or a very busy period of time in your life. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is that, that you just described my time in Kingston. I mean, I really have no, no connections uh, to the community. I have no family roots here. And uh, like an increasingly number of people uh, in the city now, they, they came to, to do a, a program at Queen's or something else that drew them here and discovered what an incredible community it is, what a beautiful city is. And so uh, Kingston's my adopted home and, uh, and I'm very passionate about it. I think, it's, I think it's one of the best cities, not just in Canada, but in North America and beyond. And I, I think it's a, for too long, it's been a, it's been a well-kept secret. And so I'm pretty happy to kind of give that secret away and tell people that what we have here. One of the things I noticed is um, economics is what you teach at RMC. Your Mm -hmm. PhD is in that particular discipline. Mm -hmm. I did take an economics course in university a long time ago, and I remember that economics was a very theoretical discipline, lots of theory being taught in that particular course. Um, You spent a lot of time... Uh, working on your uh, education in that particular field and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you are doing the nuts and bolts of running a city. Yeah. That transition, what sort of got you into that and turned you around? That's a great question and to be honest, you hit exactly why I decided to to run for council in the first place. Is uh, as much as I I enjoyed and still do enjoy the, the university environment and and I'm still privileged to be able to teach part-time at, uh, at Royal Military College. I, I love engaging with students. I love to teach. I love the, the, the research and, and all the pieces that come with that. But there is sometimes, in, in my view, the, the, the ivory tower can kind of sit in and you, you, you study in theory, but you don't actually get into the real world and, and get your hands dirty with actually trying to make these things happen. And so that was actually why I ran. I, I, I thought about it. And I said, you know what, it might be good to have somebody with an economics background sitting around the city council table. Mm-hmm. That was honestly the genesis of it. And uh, decided to put my name in, just talk about what I thought were some important issues, all related to economic development. And that was really the, became the, the initial platform why I ran for council. And then since then, it's been a real education. And I, I'll have to say that I've, I've learned more on this job. Uh, than, than I did in all my years in, in school and university. Uh, it's a very different type of education, but certainly is, is, has, uh, has really been an enriching experience. You talk about sitting around the council table, and you talk about sitting in the big chair in 2014 when you became mayor for the first time, and you are facing 12 
very diverse people who are also sitting around that council table. Yeah. What in your mind do you call yourself in the role as mayor? Are you a facilitator? Are you a booster? Are you a boss? Are you, what are you? How do you, how do you see yourself in that role as it relates to your councillors? Uh, I think that that one of the most interesting parts of being the mayor is that there are so many different facets to the job and you have to, you have to learn them all and they're, they're very different. So a, a lot of the job is being a, a spokesperson for the community and being a cheerleader for the community, quite frankly, out at community events, uh, talking with business leaders, talking with community organizations. When you're at city council, uh, you have two very distinctive roles and if you, if you don't separate them, you end up in trouble. So on the one hand, you are a politician, you have political views, you have opinions, and so you, like everybody else around the table, have your ideas and thoughts about what direction we should take and what direction we shouldn't take. But you also have the role to be facilitator, moderator, chair of the council. Really, your, your job is to make sure that uh, city business uh, takes place, that the council meetings run well and run efficiently, that everyone's treated fairly. And so you, in some ways, you kind of have to separate the two because uh, sometimes uh, I, I, as chair, will give voice to an opinion that I disagree with as the politician. But you have to do that. You have to be able to master that ability to ultimately work well and build a team with people that may not share your views politically. And to be honest, having looked at some of the, the polarized environments that I see at political levels, at a, sometimes at provincial or federal levels, I think that's one of the beauties of municipal government is that you shed the label, then you essentially uh, you bring your views to the table, but you are forced uh, to, to be able to compromise and work with others um, that may have different priorities than you do. One of the things that uh, some people believe is that municipal politics is probably more relatable to the constituent than provincial or federal because it's closer, it's, sure. it's, more, it's impacting their day-to-day -day life more uh, than the other two levels of government. Communicating with your constituents I'd be interested in knowing how you go about doing that. I think if in the past we would have looked at the traditional media, newspapers, radio, television, but these days people are spending a lot more time on social media. Mm -hmm. So how do you communicate with your constituents around the city? Well, it's, it's, it's very true. I think that communication methods have changed and they continue to change so you always kind of have to be up on on those different platforms and and it's funny that generally speaking what I have found is that people have their preferred mode of communication so there are some people that still read the the week standard every day and so you have to make sure that you're getting your message out and the week standard every day but um, but like you said uh, others that that uh, consume social media or, or they just want to see what your presence is online. So, so we've tried to do as many things as we can. So we'll, we'll do the traditional interviews with the traditional media, but then we try to um, uh, get our messages out on our, on our website. Uh, so mayorpatterson.com, we set it up four years ago and basically tried to make it kind of like a weekly thing where every week I give an update on an issue or something we're working on. And, uh, invite people to, to, to give their feedback. And definitely Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram we've been on for the last year, uh, different snapshots, snapshots of different different events, different community uh, organizations, uh, the different aspects that are involved. In, in fact, one of the most popular series that we did uh, earlier this year was 30 Days uh, as Mayor. And it was basically a snapshot where every day uh, we would post something that was a, a part of the job. And uh, sometimes it was behind the scenes stuff just to kind of let people know, well, this is, this is how we do this. This is how decisions are made. This is, this is the work that goes into some of the stuff that you're used to seeing. And, and it was really interesting. People found that really, really insightful. And so sometimes it's not even just the information you share, but it's how you share it. And sometimes showing people a side that they may not have seen in more traditional media in the years past. I'd be curious to know what kind of feedback you are getting uh, from your constituents. I think uh, a lot of us will look at some of the things that politicians are doing that affect their lives, but they really don't take the time to sit down and communicate back to the politician to say, I disagree with this, or <laughs> I think you're going down the wrong road. What kind of feedback are you getting from people around town? Well, it definitely needs to be a two-way street. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. So good communication requires both presenting your message and then listening to that feedback. So I'd say that there's a variety of different things. The traditional model was always, um, you know, someone will, will write a, an email or a letter to my office and, and share their ideas or thoughts or concerns with what's going on in the city or whatever issue that might be. And we're trying to expand that, um, give people a chance to provide more input in, in different ways, so, so whether it's with, with online surveys or online input, uh, at times it's convenient for them. The, the other thing that I think is key is to actually get out of City Hall. So I find that in the past, the expectation was that if someone wanted to provide feedback, that they had to come to the mayor. And, and I think that really the understanding now is that no, the better approach is that the mayor should go out into the community and go to you. That's where you're gonna get really good feedback from people that otherwise uh, wouldn't, wouldn't do that. So, so we did a, we, we've done series like uh, chats with the mayor where I'll, I'll just go to different areas of the community that are quite far away from City Hall and just engage with people that are just in the middle of their day or maybe they're out shopping and, you know, and just try to get into those conversations and you, you, pick, you pick up things and you get feedback that you wouldn't you wouldn't get traditionally, and so it's really a, a useful experience. Of course, I mean, the, the best type of feedback is, is the election campaign itself. I mean, we knocked on 28,000 doors, so you get really, really good pulse for the community and where people are at and what their concerns are. Um, so that was a great exercise, but obviously you can't just do that every four years. You've got to be able to fill in the space in between as well. From time to time, I'm on Facebook. That's primarily the social media that I utilize, or if you're looking at the paper or listening to the radio or watching television, your face pops up quite a lot when you are out at a business opening or welcoming some group to town or as part of an association's meeting. How much time do you spend outside the confines of City Hall? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I think at one point I actually tried to count the number of community events and ribbon cuttings and... Uh, community breakfasts, different things that happen, how many I go to, but it would be certainly in the, the hundreds uh, each year. Uh, and you know what? It's one of the pieces of the job that I enjoy the most because you, I've learned that 
when the mayor comes to your event, there's a statement. The statement is that your, your organization, your group, your event is important. Um, it, it sends a message that you're valued. And so that, in my view, is part of the job of the mayor, is to be able to, to pull the community together. Um, I, I do. I describe myself as the cheerleader-in-chief, right? So uh, I love to tell stories, and not just stories about what we're doing at City Hall, but stories about the great things that are happening in the community. And, and I find that that's, that's the way you, you, you build that community. And so... Uh, people work so hard. There's there's thousands of people that volunteer incredible number of hours to uh, for all kinds of important causes. Whether it's a it's a charity walk to raise money for in the fight against uh, ALS or or breast cancer to, uh, to to cultural festivals. Whether it's our Portuguese community or the Chinese New Year. There's just there's such a variety. And I think that that's, uh, to be honest, I think that if the mayor is in City Hall too often, then that's an indicator that there's a disconnect. So I try, I try to spend far more time outside of City Hall than I do inside. In fact, I, you'll even ask my staff, I actually get antsy. If I'm, if I'm in here for too long <laughs> in my office at City Hall, uh, then I, I get antsy and say, listen, we, gotta, we have to get out of here and say, Let, let's find out what's going on. And that's how you, you stay connected with the pulse of the community. One of the things I wanted to explore uh, for a little bit is the fact that I must confess that I don't follow a lot of the goings-on at City Hall as much as I probably should as a citizen of the city. Mm -hmm. The other aspect is that I live in the West End, mm -hmm. and I don't get downtown all that often. And in preparation for this conversation, I was reading an article in Profile Magazine that was talking about what City Council was currently doing. And I, and I wrote down a list of, of projects, if you will, that the city has been involved with or that are about to be completed. And I was just amazed at the, at the load, at the number of these events. We're talking about the third crossing. We're talking about the renovations to the 401 Gardner's Road interchange, airport expansion, deep water. There's a whole pile of these things. And I'm, I'm wondering, I think the business of, of communicating is important. But I think there's a whole lot that some citizens are missing about what's going on. And it's not all downtown. But I want to focus on a couple of things downtown simply because um, as a citizen who lives in the West End, there's, there's the couple of hindrances for me to come downtown. Mm -hmm. One of them is parking. Mm -hmm. And the other is uh, something I'm interested in getting more information on. And it uh, was a bit of a controversy just before the election call. And that's the two apartment towers that are going up at the foot of Queen Street. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, there was a lot of discussion about how high these buildings should be. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to recall the expression that you were quoted as having said, and if you give me half a second, I should be able to find it, <laughs> that this sort of thing, uh, in addition to increasing the tax base and that sort of thing, adds to the vibrancy of downtown. Mm -hmm. How do you define the vibrancy of downtown? That's a great question. So, so the first thing I'll say is that I'm, I live in the West End too, so, so I understand the... the but you suburban. work here. <laughs> I do work here, that's true. But I, I guess I feel that, uh, we'll put it this way, I live in the West End, I work in the East End, where RMC is, um, I spend most of my, my, uh, my time in the downtown, so I like to, I like to think that I've got a you get a good pulse for the different areas of the city. And it's true, there's different issues that, 
that resonate in, in different areas. But, but definitely when it comes to the downtown, uh, parking is an absolute must. So uh, we are looking at uh, really a move toward parking garages because we mm -hmm. feel that that's the better use. I, obviously, land in the downtown is scarce, and so rather than having surface parking lots, can you have parking garages? You have the same amount of parking, but it only takes up a fraction of the amount of space. The other piece on the vibrancy of the downtown, to me, I, I feel that um, we focused too much on just the height of buildings and not enough on the design of new buildings. And so that really was the discussion around the, the proposed towers, which ultimately, whether or not they go ahead is ultimately going to be the decision of the province. But, um, but I think it's not just how tall they are, but let's talk about the architecture. Let's talk about the look. Let's talk about the towers. Are they slim? Do they, do they, do they fit in? What about, the, what about the, gra the ground floor? Do they add to the streetscape? Does it make it pedestrian friendly? When I look at Princess Street and I see the hundreds of hundreds of people that are walking up and down Princess Street in the middle of summer, uh, you look at Queen Street, you don't see that. So what can we do with development to ensure you've got ground floor commercial, exciting spots, an art gallery, other things that people want to go to, to basically make Queen Street in the same way that, that, that mm -hmm. Princess Street is. That, in my view, is vibrancy. Okay. We are just about running out of time, and we could probably spend another half hour or two talking about different things. Uh, I appreciate the time that you've given me this afternoon. I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk with me and good luck in your second term. Thanks very much. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.